What a joy it has been to be here. And from my perspective, I want you to know, it's just been a, and, 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 and not just him, I want you all to know, you've been so, uh, you've been so kind and friendly and you could have talked to us. I mean, more than just, hi, how are you doing? Walk by. And I appreciate so much. You've treated us with such kindness. And uh, we just uh, have enjoyed being here. And uh, that's, um, that's, uh, uh, that's important to us. It's, 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 it's been a very special week for us, and we've enjoyed it very, very much. I want to leave something. I thought to myself, what, what, what's the last thing I want to say, the last place I want to go for message? I could, there's a hundred places. As I said the first night, I believe you could take your finger and just go through the Bible, page and through it, and put your finger there. There's a, there's a message there. Uh, there's every page of the Bible is important, every page of the Bible. And, uh, but... Um, but uh, I remember a fella, a fella is um, uh, a woman in his church, and her daughter were coming to church on a regular basis, and the, and the husband didn't come. He wasn't saved, and he didn't have any interest. He was okay with them going. But... So um, on a special day, the daughter invited his dad, her dad to come, and, said, and he said he'd come. And, um, and so, uh, so she went to the preacher. You've got to preach a, a message. You've got to preach a message about just a simple salvation message. My dad's going to be there, and I'm praying my dad gets saved. Just a simple salvation message. And so uh, the day came, and the preacher got up, and he preached um, from one of, the, uh, one of the genealogies where it says, and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and he died. And so-and-so begat so-and-so, and he died. And, so-and-so, and several times in that chapter, it says, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died, and naming different names. And he preached on, you're going to die. And, uh, you know, you better be ready for it. Now, he thought that was a pretty good, straightforward salvation message. The daughter didn't. She said, she said you know, she, you know, young girl, and she, and she said, I asked you, please. And, and she went home crying and, and didn't feel like, uh, like, like, uh, like that was really a to-the-point salvation message. But um, it said about Tuesday night of that week, the man called the preacher on the phone at about 4 o'clock in the morning. And he said, Preacher, I can't get that phrase out of my mind. I said, what phrase? And he died, and he died. I've been thinking about it for three days. And I, constantly, I can't get it out of my mind. I said, we need to talk. And he said, okay, how about tomorrow? I said, no, 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 now. We need to talk now. And so, and, uh, and he went, uh, we, he, the preacher would come over to my house. And they came over to the living room. He led him to the Lord. And so, and he died, and he died, and he, we're all going to die. But I, I, I'd like to take your, your thoughts tonight to the book of Psalms, Psalm 78. And I'm simply going to read the last, uh, the last uh, uh, three verses of the psalm, verses 70 through 72. The Bible says, And he chose David also, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds, from the following uh, from following the ewes, great with young, he brought him to feed Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. And so he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for the word of God. We pray that you would please take the word of God tonight. And I pray that you would stir our hearts with it. And help us to understand that when you make an evaluation of somebody, we desire that one day that evaluation of us would be a positive thing. We all want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I know we all want to, to, to have our Father please. 
And Father, I pray that tonight you'd help us to see something from the life of David. And we'll thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. The message I've entitled, The Integrity of His Heart, out of, out of verse 72. I don't know about you, but I'm not sure if I was searching the Bible to find somebody that wanted to use an example of integrity, that it would be David. Now, David was a man after God's own heart, no doubt about it. And David was a, was a good man. He loved the Lord, no doubt about that. And God used him in many ways. But I don't know that I would be able to get over the idea of what he did with Uriah the Hittite, you know, especially as a military man. He says this guy on a battle and then says, all the rest of you, you pull back from him so he'll get killed. That wasn't much integrity. I would think that a lady that would come to me once in a while and she'd say, every time you preach on David, I understand those good things, but every time you preach on David, I think about how he committed adultery with Uriah's wife. And Uriah was one of his most trusted uh, servants, one of his, one of his uh, main men in the military, and he, and he did that to him behind his back. And so there's a lot to criticize David for if we want to do that. But I'll remind you that God said he had integrity. God said he was a man of integrity. Now, I don't know about you, but that encourages me. It encourages me to know that I could make a mistake. Seriously, now that, I'm not talking about, you know, any excuse to go do what he did, but I'm just saying he made a serious mistake. And yet God was still able to look past that and go, he's a man of integrity. That encourages me. I've made enough mistakes in my life to know that, uh, that, uh, that I, I, I'm glad I may not you know, be judged forever on the mistakes I've made. So what was it about David? I was reading that one day, and I was thinking of the thoughts I'm sharing with you right now, and I was thinking integrity. I was saying, what was it about David that shows us integrity? And I believe I have three instances in David's life that demonstrate integrity. Let me first of all define integrity. The word integrity means the entire unimpaired state of anything. We talk about the integrity of a, of a piece of steel, you know, that doesn't have any flaws in it. It's, you know, so, so, so that word can be used in a lot of different ways, but, but it says the entire unimpaired state of anything, particularly of the mind, moral soundness or purity, Incorruptness, uprightness, honesty. Integrity comprehends the whole moral character, but has a special reference to, the, uh, to uprightness in mutual dealings, transfers of property, and agencies for others. Integrity. One dictionary said, Integrity is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles Moral uprightness. Another definition of, of integrity. Firm adherence to a code of especially moral or artistic values. God's view of David was that he was a man after his own heart. In fact, David became a standard in the word of God for what other kings were judged by. Several places, and in, in, uh, I'll, just, I'll just run through a few of them, so if you, uh, you don't necessarily need to turn there for them, but in 1 Kings, in, uh, uh, in 1 Kings chapter 9, 
and uh, and um, I'll get there too. Eventually. First Kings nine, and verses uh, and verses four and five. The Bible says this. But if thou wilt walk before he gave, he gave Solomon uh, 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 this promise. And if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness. To do according to all that I have commanded thee and will keep my statutes and my judgments. Then I will establish the, th- the throne of thy kingdom upon Israel forever, as I promised to David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man upon the throne of Israel. He said, If you'll be like David. <laughs> now we know he didn't mean David's laws. But he specifically said, If you'll walk with me as David walked in integrity of heart. In uh, uh, in uh, uh, in First Kings, uh, chapter eleven, and verses uh, and 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 uh, verse six, the Bible says, "And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord as did David, his father." In First Kings, chapter fifteen, and verse eleven. Fifteen eleven, he says, And Asa did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, as did David his father. Second Kings, Second Kings 14. Second Kings 14 and verse 3. And he did that which was right. He's talking about Amaziah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, yet not like David, his father. One last one in uh, 2 Kings chapter 16. Ahaz, he's referring to here in chapter 16 and verse, and verse 2. He says this, 20 years old was Ahaz when he began to reign, and, re- and reigned 16 years in Jerusalem and did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord his God like David his father. You think about this. This man, God used him as a standard for kings many, many, many generations after himself. They did or did not do like David. God calls him a man after his own heart. How do we see integrity in the life of David? Let me, let me just point out three instances, uh, some very, very well-known instances in David's life. First of all, I want you to see the soundness of his cause. Go to 1 Samuel 17 with me, and many of you know, will, will know right immediately when I mention that chapter. That's the chapter where David kills Goliath. 1 Samuel chapter 17. I just want to point out a, just, a, just a few thoughts. When David comes upon the, this, this scene, he goes out to bring some supplies to his brothers, and he comes to the army, he comes upon the scene, and he sees Goliath on one side coming out challenging the people of Israel and the men of Israel uh, retreating from him and, uh, and would, not, would, would, would not find him. You know David, David uh, begins to express his concern. In verse, in verse uh, uh, 26, the Bible says, 
But uh, David spoke to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the men, or to the man that killeth this Philistine, notice this, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He wasn't just looking for a fight. He wasn't trying to show people how, uh, um, how tough he was or how skilled he was with his, uh, uh, with his weapons. That's, that's not what he was doing. What was motivating him was, 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 was that, that God's name was being defiled. I said the simplicity or the, the soundness of his cause. David's cause was simple. God and his reputation. It says, so years later in verse 36, it says, as David's explaining himself to Saul, he says, Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. That was his motive. David's confidence was in God. In verse 7, he said, and, da and, and David said, oh, Moreover, the Lord hath delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear and will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. His confidence was in his own ability. He said, Oh, I've had experience. I've fought lions and I've fought bears. But it's God who delivered me from them. It's God who will deliver me today. In verse 45, as he's, getting, as he's going out now to actually face uh, Goliath. Goliath says, am I a dog that you send a boy after me with rocks? And David said in verse 45, then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. Again, his whole motive, everything he states, is all about defending the name of God, glorifying the name of God. He had a very, very, very sound cause. You see in verse 46, And this day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That was his cause. His cause wasn't a, a physical battle. His cause wasn't his own reputation. His cause wasn't even to, to win a military victory. His cause was to glorify the name of God. And this giant was defying the name of God, was questioning and challenging the name of God. David's, David's cause was sound. Number two, I want you to see the simplicity of his principles. Turn with me to 1 Samuel 24. 1 Samuel 24. This time we see David on his, as he's running from King Saul. And uh, the Bible tells us, beginning in verse 1, it says, And it came to pass, 
When Saul was returned from following the Philistines, there was told him, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. And he came to the sheep coats, by the way, where was a cave. And Saul went in to cover his feet, and, and David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. I know you know this story, but Saul goes to find a place to rest, find a place to lay down in safety. And he goes into a cave, not knowing that David and his men are already hiding in that very cave. And Saul goes to sleep. The Bible tells us in verse um, 4, and when the men of David said unto him, Behold the day which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it seems good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privately. He slipped up and he, and he, and he cut off a piece of his robe. In verse 5, it says, And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. Even that little bit of disrespect to the king bothered David when he stopped and thought about what he just did. I say the simplicity of his principles. He told them in verse 6, And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. David had a simple principle. You don't stretch your hand out against the Lord's anointed. But wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's reason this out. His men said to him, said, no, 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 no. God has delivered him to you but he's still the Lord's anointed. No, no, no. He's trying to kill you. Yeah, but he's still the Lord's anointed. Regardless of the reasonings of others, regardless of the circumstances he was dealing with, regardless of any of those things, he was the Lord's anointed. And David said, you don't stretch your hand out against the Lord's anointed. You just don't do it. Your life is at stake, David. I don't care. You don't touch the Lord's anointed. What a principle. I mean, what a man of principle. I don't know about you, but I know I've been tempted at times to do something that might have been against my principles because of the circumstances. Well, that guy said some terrible things about me or my family or that guy. And boy, I want to just lash, lash out. I want to fight back. I want to put him in his place. I remember somebody saying to me when I was much younger, they said, uh, I know you want to give him a piece of your mind, but don't. You need all you got. <laughs> you know, we need to understand there are some principles in God's word that just they ought, to, they, they ought to guide 
our, 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 our thinking and guide our, 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 our actions regardless of whatever other circumstances surround them. The closest people in David's life, his men at this point, were urging him, do it, do it. Finally, 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 they even said, well, if you don't want to do it, we'll do it. Verse 7 says, and David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up and left the cave. They said, you don't want to do it? We'll do it for you. I mean, he's after us too. <laughs> David said, no, no. You don't, don't touch the Lord's anointed. Go with me just another Another chapter over, two chapters over to 26, chapter 26. And verse 8. Now Saul's down, down below the hill, and, and, um, and David's up in a cave up on the hill. He doesn't know he's there, and then he goes to sleep. And the Bible says that, then Abishai said to David, God hath delivered thine enemy into thine hand this day. Now, therefore, let me smite him. I pray thee, with the spear even, even to the earth at once, and I will not smite him a second time. Remember, David said, I'm going to go down there. Anybody want to go with me? Abishai said, I'll go. I'll go with you. And the two of them go down into the, right into the heart of Saul's army to where, to where, to where, to where uh, uh, Saul is sleeping. And they take his bolster and they take his spear again to show that they were there. They were that close. And they go back up the hill and they call out to Saul. While they were down there, even, even, you know, even Abishai said, okay, I know you're not going to touch him, but could I just shove this spear through him just one time? I'll take David said to Abishai, in verse 9, Destroy him not, for who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? This was not just a one-time thing that David got weak and decided to follow his principles. You know? No, 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 no. David was consistent with this. It's a principle that he was to live by. He was consistent with it. In 2 Samuel chapter 1, a man comes to David and he brings some artifacts, some articles that belong to Saul. Thinking to get favor with David, he said, I found him wounded and I killed him. Now, the Bible tells us that, that, uh, 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 that Saul had, had uh, 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 that, he, that, he, that, he, that he then took his own life. So we, we know that he didn't really do that. But when he came along and found the dead body and took some of Saul's things, he goes, this is an opportunity. I know how he's run after David. I know he's trying to get David. And he said, if I... If I, if I uh, you know, if I, if I go there and show him these things, that I killed him. 
Surely he'll, he'll, he'll respect me. Surely he'll honor me, right? No, look at verse 14. Chapter 1 and verse 14. I'll begin reading verse 13. And David said unto the young man that told him, Whence art thou? And he, and he answered, I am the son of a stranger in Amalekite. And David said unto him, How was it that thou, uh, excuse me, how wast thou not afraid to stretch forth thine hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? And David called one of the young men and said, Go near and fall upon him. And he smote him that he died. Death sentence according to his own testimony, which was false. But David said, so you're claiming you put, you put your hand against Saul. You took Saul's life. Even his armor, Saul's armor bearer wouldn't do that. He said, don't let him catch me. You can. I don't, want the, don't let the Philistines catch me. They'll abuse me. And the armor bearer said, I'm not doing that. And he fell on his own sword. And so did his armor bearer. So Samalekite comes along and he goes, hey, I'm going to impress David. Takes his crown and takes some of his articles and goes, says, look it, I killed him for you. David said, that was a mistake. Take his life. And he did. I'm saying David was consistent with this principle. He wasn't going to raise his hand against Saul. And he would not support anybody else who raised their hand against Saul. He was a man of principle. Lastly, in, in my mind, I think probably the, the greatest example was what happened during the whole ordeal with Bathsheba and Uriah. Turn with me, if you would, to Second Samuel chapter 12. Yes, David committed sin. Yes, David did something very wrong. And by the way, God didn't overlook that. David paid dearly in his family for the sins he committed. None of the things that we read about David's life, that he's being, being hunted by his own son, He's turned against him, taken over the kingdom. One of his sons rapes one of his daughters. And all this is going on now in David's life after the sin with Bathsheba. No, he paid an awful price for what he did. But I, I find this just incredible. David's, David's, David's sin, adultery and murder. But Nathan comes to him, the prophet. And the Bible says in verse 1, And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. And he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich, the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many, uh, many flocks and herds. But this poor man had nothing, save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, and had grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter, this little lamb. He says, there came a traveler unto the rich man. 
and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was coming to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. He says, and we just read the story, so I don't need to belabor, but he said, he said, he said, the rich man, rather than taking from his herd all the things he had, all the possessions he had, he took this one little ewe lamb that was so precious to this family. He killed it, he dressed it, and he fed it to his travelers, his visitors. David got so angry. Listen to what David said. He said in verse Five, And David's anger was kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. Now wait a second. Who was Nathan talking about? That story didn't happen. Just Nathan used it to illustrate something. That David, represented by the rich man, he had, he had wives, he had women, he wanted them, he had all sorts of things. He took this one precious wife of Uriah. And David got so angry that he said, The man that hath done this shall surely die. He passed death sentence on the one who did this before he understood who it was. The Bible says, He shall surely die and shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. I don't know... I, I, I've never preached on the, on, 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 on the prophet Nathan, but sometime I need to. This man was a courageous man. <laughs> Standing face to face with the king. And the king says, the man hath done this, I'll surely die. Nathan just looked him in the eye and said, thou art the man. You're the one. That's what you did. Verse 7, and Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. What simple, straightforward accusation. And he says, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel. I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. I gave thee thy master's houses and thy master's wives into thy, to thy bosom. I gave thee, I gave thee the, uh, uh, the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah uh, the Hittite with a sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain him with the sword of the, of the, children, of, of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah uh, the Hittite to be thy wife. 
Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house. I will take thy, thy wives from before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with, with thy wives in the sight of, of this son. Thou didst it secretly, but I will do this before all Israel and before the son. He not only says, you're the man, but he explains to him the sentence. Now, wait a minute. He's talking to the king of Israel. We know on at least two other occasions he gave orders for somebody right with him, one of his men, to kill that guy. David could have reacted any way he wanted. But you know what I believe on my heart? If you look at what David said, the first words out of David's mouth, in verse 13, David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. That's all he said. I believe he accepted the death sentence. I'm serious. I believe that David's sentence of death on the man who did that was real. He says, done, done. This man's going to die. He'll die for what he did. Nathan's response is, you're the man. David's response is, I've sinned against the Lord. The reason I believe that this was a, a real death sentence that David uh, imposed you, 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 you on himself, not realizing it was on him, but he sees it. Why do I believe that? Look what he said next. In verse 13. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. As soon as David responded with, with, uh, with humility, as soon as David responded with, uh, with honesty, the very first thing Nathan said was, Okay, God's put away your sin, you're not going to die. I believe when David realized who he was talking to and what this was all about, I believe David accepted in his heart that he deserved to die. I said we can see this, the integrity of David in the, in the soundness of his cause, in the simplicity of his principle, and I want to say this, in the sincerity of his repentance. You know, sometimes integrity is only seen in the way we handle the positive things in our life. Sometimes our integrity can be seen in the way we handle our, our failures and our mistakes. I've known people who will never be able to admit, I don't think they'll ever admit, when they make a mistake. It's always somebody else's fault. Always shift the blame. Always tell somebody else. In this case, I believe David, David's integrity was seen in the fact that he took responsibility for what he did. I believe for the rest of David's life, he knew that he was paying for the things he did. The way that he handled Absalom, the way he left the city and went out without fighting, without a, a battle right then, he, I, believe, I believe that he, he understood why it was happening. He saw his own fault in it. You know, sometimes a person's integrity is just seen in the way they handle their mistakes. And we all make mistakes. Thank God that most of the time 
they're not as serious as what David did to affect other people. But David's integrity was seen in the way that he, the way that he repented, the way that he handled his mistake. I say to you that our integrity can be seen the same way. What is your cause? Is your cause the Lord? Or is your cause your own feelings, your own thoughts, your, your pride? What about your principles? What principles do you live by? Are they the principles of God's word? Are those your principles? And what about your repentance? When a mistake is made, when you do something wrong, are you easy to say sorry to whoever it might be? Men, do you find it difficult to admit to your wife you made a mistake? Do you find it hard to tell your children, I'm sorry, I messed up this time? That's on me. Your integrity, your integrity can be found in your honesty. David, although made some serious mistakes in his life, was a man of, of integrity. And I believe his integrity is seen in the soundness of his cause, in, this, in, the, in the simplicity of his principles. We just don't do that. We just don't act that way. That's never a decision we make. You know, people have grown up around my children and they've said things like, well, you know, we, 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 uh, uh, we're not going to be in church on this day because we got something to do. And, uh, and, uh, and my kids have looked at me and said, oh, we go to church. That's what we do. That's our principles. <laughs> no. Do you have those kind of principles that your own children can see in you to encourage themselves, to encourage them to live uh, by principle? I'm going to tell you just a quick story and then close. Um, I already told you there was a period of time when my, one of my daughters was... Uh, was struggling. She was, she was uh, rebelling about certain things. Well, she uh, she came back from the home that she went to, and she was, um, and uh, she was doing really well. She was, uh, she she lived. She uh, uh, had her last year of school in our school, and then, and then, um, uh, and then she graduated and went to Bible college, and she she was doing real well. But by the time she was 23, she was kind of slipping back into her, I'm going to do things my way in life. And she was involved in a relationship that we weren't necessarily, um, in fact, we didn't even know about it until it came to light. And, and we weren't pleased with it. We didn't think this was a, was a young man that would do her any good at all. And so we tried to tell her. She had finished up at Bible college um, in... Um, in, uh, uh, in December, before she came back for Christmas break, she was done. Had no more classes today. But the graduation wasn't going to be till May, so she came home and she worked for us for a little while at the church back home. And um, then we found out about this, this relationship, and that created some problems, but we were still planning on going to her, her graduation in May. And she comes to me and she says, Dad, I want you to know something. I've invited, and she mentioned this young man's name. I invited him to come with us to graduation. 
I said, you did? And she said, yes, I did. I said, is he going to go? And she said, I don't know. He's got to check his work schedule and see if he, if he can go. And I said, uh, well, I didn't know that as quick as possible. And she said, okay, I'll let you know. I said, no, no, I mean as soon as possible. If I could know it tonight, that'd be better. But if I just need to know as quick as possible. You need to let him know that you, he needs to tell us if he's going along or not. And she goes, what's the rush? And I said to her, I said, look, it, this is your graduation. You have the right to have anybody you want at your graduation. And if this is who you want to come to your graduation, then you have the right to ask him. And I'm really not even uh, not angry with you about it. But I want you to know what we're going to do. If this man, young man comes to your graduation, we're not going. So you're not going to go to graduation? I said, no, not if you invite him. We don't approve of that. We're not in favor of that. Says, we'll love you. I'll still buy you a gift, but we're not going to the graduation. You know, I wasn't hateful. I wasn't being mean. I was just saying that, you know, you can make whatever choice you want to make, and I will make whatever choice I want to make based on the choice you're making, and that's, you know, that's fine. Boy, she was upset to think that we wouldn't go. I said, well, there's a way to fix that. Disinvite him. She went into a room, and the first thing she was, she called a friend from college who was a pastor's daughter. And she told him, she told her what I had said. And her friend said, oh, just go invite him anyway. Your dad's not going to follow through with that. There's no way he's going to miss your graduation. And Krista said, she told me this herself. She said, I said to, uh, I said to, to, to the girl, he, she said, I said to her, well, listen, I have no idea what goes on in your home and your family. But my dad has never made an empty promise or a threat as long as I have lived. My dad follows through with what he says. I'm telling you that for this reason. My daughter needed to understand that I was a man of my word. She needed to know that. Now, she still could have made whatever choice she wanted. But it was only a couple days before she came back to us. She said, you know, um, she, she didn't tell us she disinvited him. But she said, you know, he's not going to be able to go. I said, oh, okay. Well, let's have fun. What I'm saying is, if we're not people of integrity, our children know that. And the rules we set and the, and, 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 and the, and the, the consequences we establish, it won't mean much to them. It's important that the people you deal with, whether it be your family or be your, your friends or at work or at church, it's important for people to know that you are a person of integrity. That your purpose in life is more than just yourself. That the principles you choose to live by are not just to your own benefit. And that when there's something wrong, you make a mistake, you can stand up and accept it 
accept the consequence, take responsibility. Those are indications of a person's integrity, according to the Word of God. How's your integrity? You know, you mentioned the fellows have been down here from our church. Rick Donnelly is probably one of the most, one of the men of most integrity that I've ever known in my whole life. Had a woman come to me one time, he's our assistant. He uh, had a woman come to me one time and she came to my office real angry and she goes, Brother Donnelly was mean to me. I said, no, he wasn't. She said, well, you weren't there. I said, I don't have to be there. I know the man. That man's never been mean to anybody the day of his life. She goes, well, I said he was mean to me, so what makes you, and I said, I said, look at, I know the man. One of two things is happening. Either you misunderstood him, and we should maybe go get that figured out, or you're just plain lying to get him in trouble. I don't know which it is right now, but I'm going to find out. But I know he did not purposely hurt you. And we found out it was an absolute lie. I mean, the guy was just, she was, she was upset, she was trying to get him in trouble, and he said, how did you know that? Well, I have this, mm, no, no. <laughs> I know the man. The man has proven his integrity over a period of many, many years. Do you have that kind of reputation with the people who know and love you? Are you a man, a woman, a young person with integrity? Father, thank you so very much for the Word of God, and I pray that you please would help us. Help us take this truth and apply it to our own lives. May we be people, men and women, young people, who can be known for our integrity. Father, please, you know in what way this message needs to apply to each one of our lives. You know if we need to repent of something. You know if we need to fix something. You know if we need to deal with something in such a way that will demonstrate true integrity. Please, Father, work in every heart and every life, and we'll be careful to give you the thanks and praise for it. Because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.